I want you to turn with me to John chapter 19, and specifically verse 28 and 30. We're going to read in just a moment. I've been in a series called Crosswords, and we're ending the series today on Crosswords. Got a real special Sunday next Sunday for you. But I want you to know that today we're going to conclude some of those words that Jesus said on the cross. They're crosswords. And I want to finish it up with what he said right before he died because it is connected to what we celebrate in this room today. So here it is, John 19, verse 28. It says, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, would you say these next words with me? It is finished. Then he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. His final words is not I am finished. <laughs> Some of you think this marriage is finished. Some of you think I've gone too far and said I'm finished. God will never want me. I'll never recover from this again. I'm here to tell you the same words Jesus said is not you are finished. It is finished what he did on the cross for you. It's finished. And because Jesus finished his mission, because he went all the way to the cross, guess what we're doing? We are celebrating his resurrection right now. And how many love the way we're celebrating this morning? I love hearing you sing, worship, and praise God. Now, some people were not celebrating that day when Jesus rose from the dead. Some did not celebrate. Could you imagine, just from the, the two Roman soldiers who were assigned to guard Jesus' tomb, and the next morning they walk up and there's an empty tomb. And I can imagine one guard said to another, we are dead meat. What are we going to do? And I bet the other soldier looked at him and said, hey, buddy, listen, a year from now, nobody will remember this. <laughs> and here we are 2,000 years ago, and we're still declaring the resurrection power of Jesus Christ, and we've witnessed it in our own lives and in other people's lives, and how many are going to keep on declaring it? So for those of you who may not know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you don't follow him, you're watching on, I'm so glad you're here. I pray you just keep coming back and hanging out with us. You belong with us. I don't care, what's, I don't care what, what kind of hang up, what kind of hurt, what kind of sin you have, you just keep hanging out with us. Because when you watch us, you say, why are these people acting this way? Well, I want to promise you that I just don't behave this way in this room. I behave this way in my car. I behave this way in my home. I behave this way in my private time with the Lord. Because see, the deal for us is followers of Christ celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ every single day of their lives. I don't have to wait for an Easter lily to get me charged up. I don't need a colored egg to say, oh, it's time to praise God. I want you to know that he conquered death hell, the grave, and Satan, and he said his very words. He says, because I live, you also will live. How many thank God we are alive in Jesus Christ and dead to the sin that he conquered on the cross. 
But he said those words, it is finished. Not I'm finished and not you are finished. Because what he did is he did the ultimate finished work. I want to take you through something just for a moment. When it said the word, it is finished, in the Greek, that word would have been, said, been te telestai, te telestai. Jesus would say te telestai. And that word has so many different uses than, than just te telestai. It has a lot of different meanings, more than if we just said in English, it is finished. Because when they said that word, they said it in the time of Jesus Christ for many, many things. It was done for many things. And like for instance, whenever an artist would be done painting and his work would be complete and it was finished, it didn't need touch, no one needed to touch it up, he was finished, the artist would actually say, Ted, tell us die. It's done, the work is complete and it is perfect. So they were familiar with this word. And when a, when a servant worked for an employer and he says, hey, I need you to go over here, I need you to do this job, finish this project, the servant and the, and the employer would say, did you accomplish the task or the project? And the servant would respond with, tetelestai, it is, the work is complete, it is finished. Think about this, they would, they would use it for a lot of things, like when a merchant had an outstanding bill for a person and the person finally paid the loan off, they would stamp it with the stamp and they would declare with the stamp, tetelestai, the debt is completely paid. So when Jesus said that out of his mouth, let me tell you what Jesus did. He said, I have ultimately finished the work through my death, my burial, my sinless life, and my resurrection conquering death, hell, and the grave, and Satan. So Jesus is saying, like the artist, the picture is complete, tetelestai. The picture is complete. All the Old Testament priests, the prophets, and the kings, and all that were anointed, the prophets, those were all a reflection of who I would be. They would be priests. They would be junior priests and junior kings and junior prophets. He said, I am the super prophet. I am the super king. I am the super priest. And I stamped it all. All that shedding of all the blood of animals that you had to do to cover your sins, Tetelestai, it is completely wiped out. I have finished the picture. I am the complete picture. You don't need to touch it. You don't need to change it. The mission has been accomplished, Father. It is finished. It is done. The debt has been canceled like the merchant, and no other sin is held against Sam Rifkogel or anybody else that receives the finished work of Jesus. How many of you thank God? Tetelestai, it is done. Think about that. That's the reason why, friends, you got to understand, he irrefutably rose from the dead. Irrefutably rose from the dead. See, some people question a lot of things. They, they wonder, they wonder what, you know, some, some believers in this country have a greater belief that Elvis is working at the checkout counter at Walmart than they do that believe that Jesus is alive. I'm telling you that he irrefutably resurrected from the dead. I like the words the Apostle Paul said. Just go with me for a moment there. 1 Corinthians 15, 5, he said these words. He said he was seen by Peter after his resurrection, then by the 12, so 12 saw him. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive. Though some have died, he said, you can go right now 
and go talk to those people. They saw him. Do you get that? That means that the Bible records that over 516 people saw the resurrected Jesus who was on that cross, buried in the, they saw him. They saw him, 516 people in 11 different occasions. Think of that for a moment. It only takes two people to convict a person in a court of law. You have 516 people. If you marched them into a courtroom before a judge and gave them 30 minutes each to testify, I saw him, I saw him resurrected, and I saw what he did in me, and I saw him ascend, that is over 250 hours of solid evidence in a court of law, and it only takes two in this country to convict somebody. You say, well, maybe they were all lying. I'm going to tell you, you might believe somebody else's lie, but you won't believe your own. If you're making up that story, these people were sawn in half. They were tortured. They were murdered. They were killed. Their heads were chopped off. You may die for somebody else's dumb lie, but you won't die for your own if you know it's a lie. The only reason why they were willing to die is because they knew it. They saw it. They saw him resurrect. They saw him ascend. And my friend tell you, he's coming back again. Can somebody give him praise? He is irrefutably, he irrefutably rose from the dead. So that makes him undeniably the son of God with skin on. Undeniably the Son of God, and unquestionably, if that's who he is, then he unquestionably died for your salvation and rose for your forgiveness and salvation. I'm going to tell you, when I read the Word of God, I'll tell you, when I went to Israel this last time, the Word of God just came alive to me, man, just to see those places where actually Jesus was, a seat of Moses that he probably actually sat in when he taught. Wow, blew my mind. I wanted to go over and touch it. I touched the wall where he probably touched at Temple Mount thought, man, Jesus might have touched this right here. I was, I was wigging out. But when I read the Word of God, let me tell you something. I don't know why it is in this world that somehow when people choose to follow Jesus Christ, that an unbelieving world would think that that is an emotional crutch for people. I will tell you that if you choose to be a Jesus follower, you cannot think less. You must think more. We do not check our brains out at, at the door. I had to think more about why I follow Jesus Christ, why he irrefutably rose from the dead, why he is undeniably the son of God. He unquestionably took care of my salvation of the cross. I'm telling you, I believe it now more than, I'm not dogmatic, I am bulldog dogmatic. Because I think, you must think if you wanna be a Jesus follower. You cannot check your brains at the door and just push away problems. You must think more, not less. And when you read the Word of God, let me tell you something. You take the Word of God out. I know everybody wants to, let, let me tell you. There are 66 books in the Bible. Now you think about this. It was written by the, through the power of the Holy Spirit, inspired by the Holy Spirit. Think about this. By over 40 different authors. Think about this. Living on several different continents. It was written in three different languages. Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic. These people were separated by a time of 16 centuries. Most of them never met, yet everyone through the power of the Holy Spirit, their story all points to the same thing from beginning to end. Jesus Christ, irrefutably rose from the dead, undeniably is the Son of God, and is unquestionably the only way of salvation to ever being with God. You say, what do you mean, Pastor? Think about this. 16 centuries separating them, 40 different authors, 
and all of them come on the same, sop, on the same sop, topic, Jesus Christ. As they wrote those under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, they had over 300, there are over 330 prophecies in the Old Testament that prophesied who Jesus Christ would be. Are you listening to this? 108 separate and distinct prophecies are in that about Jesus Christ. Stay with me. I talk fast and loud when I excite. I talk slow when I educate. You better be thinking about your life and thinking about who is really the Savior. Jesus Christ specifically fulfilled 61 of those prophecies very specifically. Let me explain that. The Bible was so clear and the prophecies that he fulfilled, think about that, were so specific that he said that Jesus would be betrayed by a friend and not by an acquaintance. The Bible said that he would be betrayed for silver coins and not gold coins. It prophesied that he would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver and not 35 or 40 pieces of silver. It prophesied before he came that he would ride and not walk into Jerusalem or some other city like Capernaum where he really loved to hang out, but it would be Jerusalem. It also shows that when he rode, he would ride on a donkey and not on a horse. It was specific when it prophesied that the donkey would be a female and not a male. And those prophecies go on, very 61 very specific prophecies. Now let me tell you why that's so important. I said you got to think more, not less. The late Professor Peter Stoner, who was a mathematician chairman of the Department of Mathematics and Astronomy at Pasadena City College, he was also chairman of the science division at Westmont College. He applied mathematical science of probability to the scriptures and those prophecies. Professor Stoner, get ready for this. You'll, you'll shout in just a second. I know right now I'm boring you. I get it. Professor Stoner calculated the odds of any one person could fulfill eight prophecies predicted about the Messiah, 40 different people, over 16 centuries, he did the odds of that, that one person could fulfill only eight of those prophecies. And this is what he said after his calculations applying mathematical science of probability. He said, we find that the chance that any man might have lived down to the present time and fulfilled eight prophecies is one in 10 to the 17th power. That was out of his book, Science Speaks. Let me put it to you on what that means. That means the chances were one in 100 quadrillion. That's the chances of eight. Okay, let me put it to you a little more easier, okay? Ever been to Texas? Don't worry, you're not missing much. I'm sorry. <laughs> I used to live there. I'm just picking on them. You, you go to that, take the state. It'd be like taking, let me give you what it'd be equivalent. It's like taking the state of Texas and filling it with silver dollar bills all across the state, two feet deep. This is what it would be. You only mark one of all those silver dollars two feet deep across the state of Texas. Then you take a man and you send him in, but you blindfold him before he goes in, and the first time he reaches down, he has the ability to grab the only marked coin out of all those coins. That is the probability. I'm telling you, if you're going to follow Jesus, you better know that he is irrefutably the rose from the dead. He is undeniably the son of God, and he unquestionably is the only path of salvation. I am telling you, he is here. That's why I can tell you unequivocally that he 
finish the work. Tetelestai, it is finished. It is done. I paid for their salvation. They are free and can have eternity with me. He undeniably, friends, he paid the ultimate finished work. So you don't have to. So what does that mean for me? That means if he finished it, you can finish strong. The story is not over. You are not finished because he already finished the work so you could finish yours. And this is not just about being saved. When I talk about finishing strong as a believer, I think of a lot of people that just, they say, well, I gave my heart to Jesus. Let me check that Jesus got saved my life. I said the sinner's prayer, I'm done. But you have all this other dysfunction piling on you and you're saying, why does it seem like a Jesus follower I'm still dealing with this bitterness. I'm still dealing with this addiction. I'm still dealing with this pain. I'm still holding on to this bitterness. I can't seem to get free. It's because you have to step in to what he completely finished on that cross through his sinless life, his burial, and his resurrection. And you have to live and press into him every single day. Now, let me slow down just for a moment. Our elders, myself, and a couple of our pastors, we've been been listening to some teaching on walking, how do we walk people through to that deliverance of the finished work of the cross. And so grateful for Elder Michael Daniels sitting over here, just been a real blessing just teaching this. And we've been going through it, and I mean, we just have a great time in there. But I want to read a passage of scripture. And Brother Michael, I'm going to steal your illustration, okay? I won't send you a portion of the tithe, okay? I'm just going to get, take the illustration. But I want you to go to what the Apostle Paul said about this. Now, stay with me. You say, I, you know, I'm free, but I cannot, I cannot control my sexual dysfunction. I, I'm free, but I can't stop lying to my spouse. I, I mean, I'm, I'm saved, but I can't. I, Pastor, what's going on here? Let me show you something. You have unfinished business that he wants to finish here. Watch this. Romans chapter 6, verse 1. So just hang with me. He says, well then. Okay, he prayed for our sins. He's given us grace for that. Well then, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? Of course not. You don't just keep saying, well, Jesus forgives. No, of course not. Since, you, since we have died to sin, how can we continue to live in that sin? Or have you, everybody say the next word, or have you forgotten that when you were joined with Jesus Christ in baptism, we joined him in his death. For we died and were buried with Christ by baptism. Watch this. And just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glorious power of the Father, now we also may live new lives. Let's go to verse 6. We know that our old sinful selves were crucified with Christ so that sin might lose its power in our lives. We are no longer slaves to sin. Can somebody just say amen on that? For when, for when we died with Christ, you must die with Christ. We were set free from the power of sin. And since we died with Christ, we know 
we also live with him. My question is, have you forgotten? He says, you're forgetting this so you're not going back to this. Pastor Tim, come on, I need you to help me out. You're gonna play Jesus. Come on up here. I'm gonna try to do this right, elder. So he says, this is Jesus, walking sinless life, perfect, God with skin on. God incarnate, perfectly God, yet also human. Sinless life, the only thing that could pay for sins. He said, we are the ones that crucified him. And he says, we, when you get saved, don't just see Jesus on the cross. I want people to see this. You, young man, and all your sin, and all your vices, and all the things of your past, and all the abuse, he says, when he went to the cross, he took it, and you were crucified with him. Don't just see him. You and all that sin and all that trash are up there on the cross with him. And then he says, but you just didn't be crucified. He was buried, okay? We're going to bury you. All right. Lay down. <laughs> Don't fall asleep because sometimes my sermons have that, have that effect on people. He says, you weren't just crucified with him. He said, when you went into that watery grave when you were baptized, he said, that was the symbolism of what happened to you, the power of what happened to you. He said, you were also buried. So all that garbage, all those memories you have in your head about your past sin that Satan holds you hostage, that stuff is dead through the power of Jesus Christ. You are buried. You're buried. See, too many of you are just looking at him you're just seeing Jesus, you see pictures, you see it, you see crucifixes, but you are not seeing you up there. He did that for you. And then he says, and then you were buried with him. That old man, that old attraction, that proclivity toward that sin that even happens in your family, that curse is broken off of you when you died. It is dead with him. But he said, you just don't stay in a grave. It says, Jesus, come on, get up, Jesus. Jesus, you gotta, we're a little slower at doing this, but we'll get there. Wait, Jesus, he says, you resurrect with him. Okay, well, now, Pastor, I see it. Now, see, I want you to start seeing that whenever, that whenever that drug addiction, whenever that proclivity toward homosexuality, whenever that proclivity to commit adultery, whenever that proclivity to cheat on your IRS return, whenever that proclivity, you gotta see you up on that cross crucified, buried with Jesus Christ, and resurrected with him. And he says, and you live in that. You gotta see that. Now, watch this. The problem why it still hangs on to people, like you and me, is we're gonna start living with Jesus because he's alive. He says, but don't forget. So how do I not forget? I stay in fellowship with him. All right? But I'm going to follow everywhere he goes. I'm going to follow him. Okay? Okay, Jesus, what, I don't want to forget. That's right. That's right. I remember what you did. He starts talking to me. We start forget. How do I stay in fellowship with him? Do you know that you being here in the house of God is fellowship with him? Did you know your worship in your car, so be careful the kind of music you play, 
is worship to him, is, is fellowship with him, so you're not forgetting him? Do you know that when you read the scripture, even you go, man, I don't understand this. Do you know that's your connection to not forgetting him? Do you know that when you sit in a small group and you laugh and you cut up with your friends, do you know that's not forgetting him? Do you realize all of this is a part of fellowship with him and I stay with him? So what do I do? I daily crucify the flesh, I daily bury it, and I daily resurrect with it. And so I'm going to follow Jesus. But here's the problem. We as believers have all lip service and we got baptized pagans all over America. That ascent, I follow Jesus, I did the church thing. But when Jesus goes this way on a decision, I'm going this way. So I separate from what his word says. I separate from what his spirit says. I start separating from my wife who loves Jesus, my husband loves you. I start separating from Christians. I don't want to be in church. Those Christians hurt my feelings. And the further I get away from him, the more I forget about the power of his death, his burial, and his resurrected power. And now those things that set me free are now beginning to come back and encroach on my life. So he says, don't you ever forget you are crucified with Christ, nevertheless you live. Yet it is not I, but it's now Christ that liveth inside of me. And the life that I live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave his life for me. So guess what? I'm going to stay closer to Jesus than I do Brenda. I'm going to make a decision based on Jesus than what Brenda says or the church says or anybody else. I'm following Jesus in every detail. So guess what? As long as he lives, I live. As long as I stay in fellowship, Guess what happens? Ike walked in the victory of the power of the cross. But the moment you start doing your own thing, motor scooter, you're on your own, and that's when the enemy comes after you. Come on, how many thank God we're just not going to stay resurrected? I'm going to walk with him. I'm going to talk with him. I'm going to live in him. Thank you, Jesus. You may be seated. But I'm telling you, this is the deal. Church attendance is not for my religious activity just to say, hey, I'm here because I need my kids to be good moral people in this country. I am here because I need Jesus Christ every second of my day, folks. I got to have it in worship. I got to have it in the word. I got to take every issue, my money, my sex life, my married life, every single bit of it. I press into Jesus. Jesus, what do you want from me? And you watch yourself. You do that. You watch that old nature. You watch that old nature peel off of you, and the truth of it has no power of you. You start discovering, buddy, it really has no power of me, because I'm crucified. It's, it's, I live, but yet that's not me. So I look at Sam Rifkin and go, that's me, but that's not me. That's, that's, that's my hair. That's my Asian eyes. That's my, that's that Paisley shirt I'll probably never wear again. It's a one-shot wonder. It's a disposable shirt. I'll probably never it again. That's me. That's my personality. But wait a minute. Because I walk with Christ, the old nature starts being tested. It starts being challenged. It starts being put away more and more and more and more. And can I tell you something, friends? Some of you are out of church because you're blaming someone that somebody hurt your feelings and you're out of church. And that's why you don't want anything to church. Can I tell you? That's the same believer that needs what you need to get back closer to Jesus Christ, to take off the things off of their life, the same way you need God to take things off of your life. You can finish. Anybody in this room? I do not want the devil to hold you in guilt and condemnation. You can finish the unfinished business, and it's never too late. 
Because when we have gone through this series, I'm closing with this. When we've gone through this series, we found out he can finish the un unfinished forgiveness that you haven't given somebody. Because it was on that cross, Jesus Christ said, I, Father, forgive them. They don't have a clue what they're doing. And there's some of you that are working some hurt clear back way, 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 way back. I am telling you, you need to take that. You will never have the power to forgive them until you decide that I am crucified with him. I am burying this with him and I'm resurrecting and there's gonna be a difference in my life and you gotta do it daily. You can say, Father, forgive them. And some of you, it's not about saying, Father, forgive them. Some of you need to go and ask God to forgive you for what you did to them. And he'll give you the power to do it. He'll help you to crush the pride because there's some relationships that need to be mended in this room today. But you cannot do it in your own. How many of you believe the finished work of Jesus Christ gives you the power to take care of unfinished forgiveness that needs to be forgiven? Some of you today, it's not about unforgiveness. It's not about forgiveness. It's about unfinished faith. Some of you right now, your faith is so faltering, it's been rocked. You're saying, if God loves me, then why did this happen to me? Why did this happen to my family? Why did this happen to me? I thought I was doing everything right in church. And then the enemy puts condemnation. You didn't do anything right. That's why God doesn't want you. He's a liar. He's a liar. He's a liar. But you have unfinished faith because it's rocked because you're asking why. I just don't agree with people who says you don't ever ask God a question. You don't question God. I don't believe that. You know why I don't believe it? Because Jesus did it. And on the cross, he said, Father, why have you forsaken me? Why? Why? Because he wasn't only divine, but he had a human side. And he knew what humans felt. And he's touched with the feelings of their firmity. So he asked why. You say, I don't feel like my prayer was answered. I'm going to drop out on God. Well, can I tell you at the very heart of the gospel, can I tell you at the heart of the gospel is an unanswered prayer. Jesus asked twice in the garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it be thy will, let this cup pass from me. He knew what he was getting ready to go to because he was not only human, but he was divine. He knew what was going to happen to him. He knew the prophecies and he knew who he was and he knew his mission. And he said, can you let this pass from me? And God's answer was no. The heart of your salvation is a result of an unanswered prayer to Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And I'll say it again. The no to Jesus was a yes for you. Because if he would have said yes, then you'd have gotten the no. But I'm so grateful Jesus, in the middle of his why, said, not my will, but yours, Father. That's when I go crucify of the cross. I don't understand it, but I'm staying in this situation with Jesus Christ. I'm burying this with Jesus. I'm resurrecting with a new meaning. I don't understand it all. I'm gonna tell you something. Get in line with Pastor Brendan and me. I've got questions like crazy. But here's what I know. Just like that song, the story's not over. <laughs> that part is not finished, friends. I, 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 I hope you'll indulge me for a moment, but I, I just, I think of Sarah today because she loved this time of year singing. I'll never forget when she was diagnosed. She, years ago, years ago, she had an issue, situation happen in her life that just really rocked her and she wouldn't have had a tattoo done on her arm. Some of y'all see that. You, sometimes you say, boy, they, Pastor Brenda and Pastor Sam have the same mole in the same place. 
It's an ellipsis. That was Sarah's symbol, but that ellipsis was that my life goes on. And she had an issue, go my way back in her college days, and she said, but my life goes on. She said, I never realized it wasn't about that issue that I went through. I realized that God was telling me my story goes on. We see the video, the story I'll tell, the one that Sarah, we put out there, and you, you've seen it, heard. What most people don't know was she sang that song right after the exploratory surgery where the doctor said, this is going to take your life, Sarah. There's nothing we can do. But she recorded that song and said, the story is never over. It is never done. And I'm here to tell you, I don't know what kind of pain you're going through, but hell isn't smart enough and hell is not in charge of your life or my life or anybody else's life. I'm telling you, God's steps is ordered. God has ordered your steps and hell is not in charge. And there's a destiny. There's a story that God is doing bigger than you and me. And all I know is this. That if God said no to his son because he knew the greater outcome, I've got to believe that he's smarter than Sam Rifle. And just like he was working something for Jesus when he said no, there's something else he's working for you and he's working for me. And here's what I'm going to do with every time I cry, every time I weep, every time I grieve, I know what I'm going to do. I am crucified with Christ. I'm going to be buried with Jesus Christ. I'm resurrected with a new life and a brand new meeting. You can finish your faith strong for Jesus Christ. It's never too late because you still have an unfinished future. That criminal on the cross, seemingly no way, but he had faith. Seemingly no hope for him to ever be saved. And beside Jesus Christ, he said, Jesus, remember me. Everybody say, remember me. Remember me, Jesus, when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, your future is not finished, young man. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today, you will be with me in paradise. <laughs> it's never too late. Now's the time. Never too late. This cat on the cross, a criminal, couldn't come to church. Couldn't go to synagogue. Wasn't able to give an offering. Didn't go through membership class. <clears throat> and Jesus said, because you had faith to believe, remember me, Jesus, because I know you're the Son of God. I don't know how he got it, but I taught it last week. I don't know how he got it, but he got it. You are undeniably the Son of the living God. Unquestionably, you are my salvation. And Jesus said, because you believe. Hey, listen, this is the problem of a lot of people. He didn't have time to clean himself up so Jesus could receive him. And I guarantee you that right now, some of you watching online are probably, some of you are not in church because you want to get yourself all right before you think Jesus or the church will take you. Now, there may have been some other believers out there with the spirit of dum-dum that acted like you weren't good enough. But they're wrong. None of us are good enough, but Jesus takes you and he takes Pastor Sam just like he is, but he will not leave me that way. He says, go up there, get on that cross, get buried in that grave and resurrect me every single day. Every day. And the problem is some of you in this room, I think, well, I came and I did, showed up. I did what mom wanted. Come, we'll go have scalloped potatoes and a spiral ham. We'll be done with this day. Hope she has the green bean casserole. But you're thinking right now that I'm not good enough to be saved. 
if I could just clean this up, if I could just get rid of these thoughts in my mind, if I could just, boy, if anybody finds out about that stuff. Ma'am, you're thinking if, it, if that ever gets unearthed, I wish I could just I'll redo my life. I wish I could clean myself up. You don't need to do that. Brenda's daddy got saved really late in life. Really late in life. Went to church. Brenda's mom came to Jesus through a television ministry. And she led Brenda to the Lord. Dad wouldn't come to the Lord, even though he saw the transformation in their lives, wouldn't come to the Lord. Went to church every Sunday. Half the time she had to guilt him into it, but he came. Maybe you're being guilted into it this morning. He even paid his tithe and wasn't a Christian. <laughs> I'd love to have some tithe paying sinners. That'd be awesome. his tithe. He was more obedient than some Christians I know speak in tongues. But he wouldn't give his life to the Lord. And one day at a fish fry, a men's fish fry, maybe that's how we get you dudes saved. Cook more fried fish. Deep fat. It's delicious. He wicked up to the pastor so I need to give my heart to Jesus. But her mama came across one of his suit coats or something like that, sock drawer, and uh, putting stuff away. And she looked tucked in the back, a list. It's a piece of paper list. She pulled it out, and then she realized these were all the things that he put on this piece of paper that he felt he needed to get right and corrected before he could come to Jesus. Now some of you shaking your heads, but I'm telling you, that's the way some, some of us feel, think. Now I gotta get right, because my wife knows my, let me tell you, you put that list away, because there's not a thing you can do to wipe that out, but he did everything you needed to do, but didn't have to do when he died on that cross. Everything. So he finished that business so you can take care of the unfinished business. And today he wants you. 